I love sport because, because of its purity, of its simplicity. But it gives you a sense of identity, whether you as an individual or as a nation. And that's why we love sport. You're listening to Falling in Sport with your host, Mzamo Molloy. In this episode, we talk basketball. We speak to author and journal Cyrus Rogers about basketball culture in Africa. Ask Natalie Pike and Sitla Maseko how to choose an NBA team. And we also fit in a conspiracy theory. Okay, let's fall in sport. I love this game. I love it. I really love this game. I love it. I love it. I love this game. I love it. I really love this game. Depending on where and when you grew up, the phrase I love this game can only mean one thing. I'm not sure what it was about those NBA ads that made them so memorable. Perhaps it was seeing Michael Jordan doing the impossible. Charles Barkley or Dikembe Mutombo doing something comedic. Those iconic commercials tapped into something that resonated with audiences, even if you had never been on an actual basketball court. They made you feel like you were part of it. The NBA's ability to spread the gospel of basketball is a major reason why people play the sport today, whether they actually possess the ability to do so or not. Cyrus, Depending on what you saw or didn't see the other day when I bumped into you at the court, I'd like to say I'm more Patrick Beverly than I am Chris Paul. By that, I mean I'm more likely to block your shot than make a shot. No disrespect to Pat Bev. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, it's, it's so weird because Patrick Beverly uh, at the LA Clippers is one of those players who is... He's such a difficult person to love sometimes when he's an opponent. Yeah. But when you've got somebody like that in your team who is so good defensively and, and really rugged and gets in the face of the opponents, you know, you just can't help but love that guy. So always happy to have you on any team, Zamo. <laughs> Look, defense, is the, defense wins championships, right? Yes, yes. Offense wins games, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cyrus Rogers is one half of the Post Up podcast alongside Kaunda Chama and has written extensively for NBA Africa, including working as a senior digital editor. And yes, he's got that voice. Cyrus's love for basketball was not necessarily developed, but rather handed down. For a lot of people, they say, oh, I was about 11 or I was about nine. I was born into a basketball family. Um, so some people say my first encounter with basketball happened before I was even born. <laughs> uh, my dad played uh, sort of semi-pro, but uh, he was the national team captain in Zimbabwe. And uh, so he had an extensive, extensive career in basketball uh, in, in Zimbabwe. And then obviously having played against internationals. And uh, it's, it's one of those where the game was just something I, I grew up with, you know holding a basketball for when I was a kid. There's still pictures of me, you know, where the, the ball's almost still bigger than I am. So, you know, this has been a lifelong love. Um, but it's a, it's a weird thing because, you know, as with anything that you love as a kid or, or you, you grow up around it, you, it, it happens in waves. You know, you, you love it because your dad loves it. And then all of a sudden you want to do your own thing. And then at some point you come back to it. And that's sort of what happened with me with basketball. Um, I, I played a bit in high school, fell out of love with it for, for various reasons, and then um, got back into it in a massive, massive way. But the NBA has always been the sort of through thread. Like as the love has increased and decreased, yeah. it's just been what happens with the NBA. And I suppose for, for a lot of us, what happened with Michael Jordan. Speaking of Michael Jordan, basketball has become synonymous with street culture. 
And in that Netflix documentary of the final year of the Chicago Bulls dynasty, mm, the last, last dance, we hear how hip hop is a soundtrack that plays quite a significant role in capturing that era. When, when you think of culture, when you think of basketball, does one affect the other? Does basketball affect culture or does culture affect basketball? It's a weird thing. And, and I, I guess we have to look at it in terms of culture. So let's go a, a step back from that because the, the racial dynamics of, of what basketball has looked like is it's been a very pro-black sport. Mm. Um, and so that then means that whatever happens in black culture happens in basketball. And so when you have like the rise of, of hip hop as it is um, from the 80s, I suppose late 70s into the 80s, you suddenly see a lot more of that swagger, you know, translating into what happens on the court. And because guys were, you know, it's, it's really about braggadocio, you know, that's what happens in the rap game. And then that's what happens on the basketball court. Sure. How good are you really? Can you actually talk as good as you play and vice versa? So the two are intricately linked. And it's quite interesting because in the last dance, yes, they use a lot of hip hop music, yeah. but it's also interesting when you see Michael Jordan was wearing his headphones and he talks about, now nah, I'm listening to the new Kenny Lattimore. <laughs> and you're like, what? I mean, how is that going to get you hyped for games? You know, you almost want to hear like death metal or some hardcore hip hop. And, and it's interesting because it looks at what makes up a, a, an athlete. Yeah. Do you want to get uber hyped up? Or are you happy to just get into a place of Zen? And I think that's where you sort of see some of these things. And basketball and, and hip hop are really one of those things where when you look at it from the culture perspective, you then have the Jordan shoes and those become part of the culture and then those become a massive thing. And then all of a sudden sneaker and fashion becomes part of what, what basketball culture is mm. and, and vice versa. You, you know, you start seeing celebrities wearing the favorite jerseys of their players, of, of their favorite players. And, and then you'll find the players themselves will be wearing Michael Jordan's shoes and then they will have their own shoes. And then everybody outside of the basketball arena is like, oh, I like the look of those things. I want them too. So it's a cross-pollination of so many different aspects where, you know, the culture influences the game and the yeah. game obviously gives back to the culture. Basketball influenced my um, sense of fashion or lack of sense of fashion because I wore Allen Iverson sweat bands on my arms, on my forehead, cornrows, big shoes, and ones. I still have my first pair of and ones that I bought in 2005. Um, but yeah, I dropped those baggy clothes now, wearing things that are a bit more fitted. has influenced my sense of fashion, I'd say, in a fairly big way. I mean, I've always been into kind of urban streetwear. But, uh, so I mean, like, I'll wear NBA jerseys casually, uh, I like the sneakers, um, yeah, yeah, I'd say it's, I'd say it's actually just kind of deep-rooted in urban streetwear vibes. Which Basketball has influenced my fashion greatly, I must say it's, honestly, I'm always going to practices and stuff, so I'm always dressing, ready, almost in gear. My favourite shoe would probably have to be the Air Jordan 1s, the retros. Those are my favorite, absolute favorite, favorite. Too bad they're so expensive, but other than that, I wear my slides, Adidas slides, red to be specific, 24-7. You won't catch me without them on. I'm stealing off a tweet that you, that you responded to online um, a while back. And the guy was talking about how there's a difference between 
people who follow the NBA and people who follow basketball and something yeah. along the lines of that people who follow basketball are able more to appreciate Euroball and women's basketball as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, is there a difference between the NBA and basketball basketball? Well, obviously NBA is basketball. Yeah. Like we understand that, but the NBA is pretty much the product. You know, it is the the premier men's game in the world. There's no other league that can rival what they do in the NBA in terms of skill level, in terms of the way they market that league. And having worked very closely with the NBA for many, many years, you understand the culture that it also, it works with. The NBA, uh, an organization as such that really loves to look at its fans first Mm. and then how it can also make a positive difference within spaces. So if you look at the NBA Africa office here in in South Africa, their primary goal was to grow the the, the game of basketball, not necessarily just to try and sell the NBA. So they know that once you start selling basketball and people fall in love with that, where else are you going to shop but at them, you know? And and I think that, that that tweet was a really interesting one because the difference between basketball and NBA fans really is people who love the game of basketball can watch it anyway. They're watching junior NBA. They're watching people playing, um, you know, at the court on the weekends, you know, pickup games here and there. They're playing the, the game themselves. Yeah. They're not necessarily steeped in the traditions of what happens around the NBA, but they know enough about it to, to you know, to weigh in on conversation. But they're really about what happens with that, as they call it, the bouncy orange ball. Um, and, <laughs> and I think that a love for basketball should be cultivated in fans. I think there's way too much um, attention paid primarily to the men's game when the WNBA, the women's game, Mm. is just incredible. We spend a lot of time focusing on that. I have a show, WNBA Courtside, that I I have with a a few other presenters, my partner, Kaunda Chama. Um, We've got two ladies on that that as well, Ntabiseng Mushi and Letabunumalo. And um, we just delve deep into what happens around the premier women's game Mm. in the world. And the skill levels are pretty similar. You don't see as many dunks because the ladies don't necessarily dunk as often um, or as much. But the thing about it is that they've got the same ball handling. Yes. Similar, you know, shooting skills. In fact, I think the WNBA, you can see more of the tactical approaches of the coaches far more than you do in the NBA where it becomes a little bit more free-flowing. And so you see exactly how sets are drawn up, who the better players are almost immediately. And it's just so, so incredible to watch. You, you spoke a bit about the work of the NBA in Africa, and mm. obviously the African game has obviously we, we've seen we have a lot of Africans playing in the NBA. We have legends the like of of, of uh, Hakim Olajuwon. You've got the likes mm. of uh, Dikembe Mutombo, um, but Manut Ball being one of them exactly, and his son now playing for the Denver Nuggets. Mm. The African game. When did Africa's love affair with basketball start? Is it a, a case of was it by mistake? Is it a case of we're, we're tall, we can we can play too? Because I mean, like we have nations on on, on the continent, like Angola, who are perennial FIBA contestants, mm. uh, Nigeria, who who do the occasional taking from America guys, choosing to represent um, represent the, the green the, the green oh, yeah. and white. It's it's such a. a interesting question as well because the thing about basketball in the african continent is that you could almost trace the way it came into to to our consciousness by what's happened in our our history as a continent so for instance 
um, in countries like like Egypt and in, in, in North Africa, the game has had deep roots for a very long time, you know, almost predating the Second World War. You know, you've sure. got the establishment of certain clubs. And as the game grew there, you started to see more professionalize, uh, professionalizing of it. And, and then it being a, a major influence. But we're football mad, cra- uh, you know, continent yes. primarily because of the, the British and then the French yeah. as well. So, you know, you, you have those influences and the Portuguese, obviously. But then what you're finding is that as the game starts to progress, you have FIBA really sort of setting up structures from the 1960s. Yeah. And then that's where you start to see the, the formal, uh, let's call it the formal leagues taking um, taking shape. Mm. And I think what's been incredible from, from an African perspective is you, you mentioned that um, I love this game. Yeah. When the NBA started to roll out a lot more of their marketing in the 1990s, that was when we started to see more and more players and and the the dream that was the nba start to become a reality africa was always just this dark continent to 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 the americans you know way back in the sense that what's going to happen they don't even play the game yeah but then realizing that well actually we've got a couple of guys who could do some stuff if they've given the opportunity and you look at like hakim olajuwon people forget hakim olajuwon was drafted number one in his in that draft class ahead of michael jordan who was drafted number three sure this is a guy who started playing the game relatively late but had the size which mm-hmm. was an important factor in in the beginning and that's why people started looking at africa because like well hang on if we're looking for players with size there's a whole continent full of people that we haven't actually tested so hakim sort of blazed a trail that in, in a sense, um, becoming the first African to really make a massive mark in the NBA and, uh, you know, winning championships, MVPs, all of these things, Dikembe coming in, becoming a massive defensive influence. But we have to remember something about these guys. Mm. They were also smart and highly educated. Dikembe went to the U.S. to study um, medicine. He didn't go there to to, to become a basketball player. And so in, in the interim, they, they realized, well, we've got a, you know, a seven-footer here. You can't just lose him to to, to to the books so you know it's it's seeing those guys and then obviously from there you start to see youngsters uh, you know get um seeing them and 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 getting an up uh, the inkling that perhaps they could do that too so going back to the nba africa office you can actually almost chart the progress of certain players as they go into the sort of professional ranks by how much has been invested in in Africa from a NBA perspective and with eyes on what's happening in terms of the basketball development here. Um, but there's so many different aspects that, that play a part in the growth of the game in, in the continent. Um, Joel Embiid, he played in Basketball Without Borders. Pascal Siakam, he played a Basketball Without Borders, both NBA Africa initiatives or the NBA initiatives here. And now we're seeing the likes of those guys become household names. So the development of the Basketball Africa League is just a natural progression where you're suddenly like, well, hang on, this could be a, a great league to, to have and watch on its own for African yeah. fans and, and fans of basketball. And then potentially also conveyor belt. Um, remember, as many as I think we've got something, uh, well, over 20 players of African descent was, you know, first generation African players yes. in the NBA. The NCAA is even, uh, you know, uh, has, has far more players because there are more college teams and players want to go out and get uh, people want to go out and get an education so you know you've got those circles so the game is constantly growing basketball has taught me um uh, i grew up with a lot of anger issues so i think it's taught me to be just level-headed and to keep cool throughout 
uh, playing and that. And basketball is well, it's very mental and strategic thing. So if you can't keep cool in it, um, you're, you're you're bound to fail. And it's a very like trash talking, getting in someone's head kind of game. So you have to be level headed and think uh, logically and also not get emotional. This is a a big one. Basketball matters so much for me in terms of showing grit in terms of flair skill teamwork it teaches you about humility humanity fight um yeah it is the the deepest kind of inspiration for me basketball has taught me that sport can truly be transformative um in society when i coached sports in more recent years um I used sports um, looking to influence the young men and women that I would coach um, to improve them in, in different ways personally, um, to develop leadership skills, um, social skills, um, as well as how to work in a team and working together with other people. So Cyrus, tell me about perspective. Um, I remember I actually did some Googling recently and so you're the son of what uh, one online publication called the godfather of Zimbabwe <laughs> basketball. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Mr. Edgar Rogers. Now, you've been up around the game for a bit, obviously. And mm. you recently put out a book called uh, Competitive Edge. So congratulations. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Lessons from the sporting world for sustained success in life. I guess the most natural question is what lessons have you gleaned from basketball in particular that translates to everyday life? So many. I, I talk about leading in the winner's circle and that has to do with a, a word that I use in my speeches. Okay. It's um, I think called perspicacity <laughs> and that's having keen mental vision and shrewdness. Um, and that relates to Steph Curry. Okay. Now, I am a massive Steph Curry fan. Like, it's because of Steph Curry that I now support the Golden State Warriors. And, and some people might say it's the glory train. But the thing is, sometimes, and we talked about this, uh, maybe not on the show, but sometimes you, when you're a basketball fan, you fall in love with a player rather than a team. Yes. And, and Steph was just that. Um, you know, he, he, he showed absolutely everything you wanted to see from a player who seemed to have the odds against him. Yes, he was the, the son of a renowned sporting figure. Yeah, yeah. I could relate to that. Right? <laughs> and, um, but uh, unlike me, Steph went on to become a two-time MVP. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy what you can do. And, and a three, I, I think it's a three-time champion, if not four. Yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think he has the same... Three, same amount of championships as LeBron James yeah. in um, half the time. Sure. So one thing about Steph is that he, as the point guard, is the eyes and ears of the coach. And so he has to relay what the coach's instructions are. And that's what the, 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 the point guard on any team does. You know, mm -hmm. they're the leader, they're the pivotal point. They are the tip of the spear, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is it also relates to having vision. And... Perspicacity deals with having um, 
the ability to envision something before it happens. So you can imagine some of those shots that he's taking from range. He's not taking them because he's just chucking Hail Marys. Yeah. He's taking them because he believes he can make them. And he's already seen that in his head. So now people in their ordinary lives or day-to-day -day lives can do similar things in terms of goal setting, in terms of visualizing what their tasks are. Yeah. And obviously that relates to training as well. So the book really is about how people can utilize so many different things from the sporting world by using a little bit of their keen mental perception themselves. That perspicacity is important. It obviously covers a whole bunch more, yeah. but uh, I thought I'd just give you a little bit of a taste. At an average of 28 meters by 15, a basketball court is a relatively small space. That said, the size of a court belies the sport's impact outside the four lines. I think that basketball gives to the world so much. And, um, and I think that it is the kind of sport that everybody can, if you want, and you're like a rugby fan or cricket fan, football fan, or you like baseball, what have you, basketball can always be a number two sport. And yes, nobody wants to just be number two their entire lives because the rule worm its way to being number one. So yeah. it'd be like one and a half. But yeah, what a game, what a, what a game. I just hope that all of us get to watch more basketball locally and for our African basketball leagues to start really pulling in the crowds, especially in Southern Africa, that, mm. that they deserve because it is a great game. It's, it's also an enjoyable atmosphere for families to be around at times as well. Yes. So, you know, we're seeing that from a grassroots level, um, from the three on three competitions that are happening through to, um, you know, the, 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 the five man and five woman game um, it's so important to just get everybody involved and junior nba in particular is doing that by bringing the kids in yeah. we spend a bit of time around those uh, some of these kids who are you know growing up as basketball fans and they yeah. love the game more than you'll know i've seen more bouncing basketballs in the last three four years than i did in the previous 15. it's a beautiful thing to see saras's comment on young people in south africa growing up loving the game is encouraging However, it reminds me of a conversation I've been having on and off for maybe a year now with a friend of mine. Basketball isn't a new sport to South Africa. Say, I love this game to anyone who grew up in the 90s and they'll know what you're talking about. But why hasn't the sport taken that expected next step, like in Angola or other parts of the African continent? I need to know everything, who and what and where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, there's five on a horse, I'm ready for war, I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. Now you be Google, fastest growing sport in South Africa, 1990s. And within the first few results, you'll find a 2005 PDF from the Department of Environmental Affairs and Tourism, an overview of the sports industry competitiveness. In summary, the document states that between 1990 and 2002, basketball was the fastest growing sport in South Africa, outpacing football, cricket and rugby in that time. And remember, in that same period, South Africa had been readmitted back into international sport, won the Rugby World Cup and the Africa Cup of Nations in soccer. I took my findings to my friend, Ayanda. 
uh, actually having having taken part in in actually being part of uh, the people or the sport people who participated in basketball, I can like really attest to that. I mean, wherever we went, wherever we went, whether it be uh, inside so way to outside so way to, everybody was participating uh, in basketball. We had players who were coming from the Eastern Cape. You know, and these are the like mid 90s. You know, going towards the 2000. So it was the fastest uh, growing sport uh, sports at that particular time, and uh, there were so many clinics that were run uh, uh, inside, uh, uh, so way to outside, so way to at the same time. So uh, vast cities actually as well, like they have adopted that sport because you know it was it was like the vehicle or young people. This is what what young people participated in. So yeah. yeah, it is the truth that it was the first, fastest growing sport at that particular time. So what do you think then contributed to the to the drop off? Because I remember, I mean, I remember there was a lot of participation from the likes of Engine. There's so many sponsors who who were on board. We'd have the Harlem Globetrotters. I was looking at a old article from AP that they'd done. Uh, they had the Harlem Globetrotters come out to to South Africa. I remember that yeah. they they. Harlem Globetrotters were in South Africa quite a few times, sure. and the participation was, 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 was it, it, it was, it was growing <laughs> like you, like you're saying. So, what happened? What do you think happened? It's it's insane, Zamo, to to actually like go back to that era. Um, I tell you, like, there's a lot of sponsor. Rightfully, you saying that there was engine, there was engine uh, that that sponsored. There was Milo. There was Sprite. Um, there was Fanta that I can recall uh, right now. There was Milo used to run, run clinics basically uh, for, for 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 basketball. There was Shreps as well. I can't, I can't forget Shreps. So you had all of these uh, uh, sponsors coming in and coming in on board, you know, and you know they were targeting grassroots at that at that time, you know. Um, so many things happened. There were politics uh, within within uh, basketball. Um, fraternity or sports code at that time. I remember that. I mean, the old, um, uh, the currently uh, Soweto Campus, UJ Soweto Campus, it was then called Vista. You know, the, the NBA used to bring in their their athletes, you know, for, for, for coaching clinics as well. They were sponsored by Skybox. Um, a lot of us used to go there. You know, the likes of the likes of Patrick Ewing would come through, Dikembe uh, Mutombo, and the rest. You know, so I think what happened is that uh, since it was the fastest growing sport, and you know, a lot of us had dreams of playing the NBA and going far. Uh, we had players who even got scholarships to go to go study in these in these universities uh, because you know they had made structures so that we could you could pretty much get scholarships to go there. But what I think it happened, politics got into play. You know, people people I believe that people got money to literally shut sports down because all of a sudden basketball was shut down and mm. pretty much in every sport that was that was growing rapidly at that time all of a sudden it was nowhere and all you could see was soccer and i'm not only talking about boys we had we had a we had a we had a female team you know i played for Orlando hawks i played for Orlando Orlando magic seeing so way too all of those games they were like mean bro you know i could talk about somebody like if i may drop name like Rebecca, who played for Orlando Hawks, who went on to coach um, uh, uh, Cape Town basketball team, and I think under 16 South Africa. But where are those teams now? Those teams now, South Africa can't even compete in the African level. 
I'm saying so many dreams, you know, of the young people that I grew up with were shattered because they saw this as a vehicle, you know, of them making it in the world. They desired to play it in the play in the NBA or some some of the major leagues of basketball in the world. So they never got to realize this because of shutting down this particular sport. Coincidentally, this episode is published amid public calls by those involved in basketball asking for an intervention to rescue the game in South Africa. Sipesi Masego knows all too well how things can get stifled in local basketball, having played and gone on strike in the Basketball National League. I can't say, say, I can't say anything about basketball without actually adding uh, the drama to it because what the drama, uh, with, uh, what the drama did is actually made me realize um, uh, who I am and what I enjoy doing uh, and that's what basketball is I mean for me to still be in the sport um, with all the drama that's happening um, with all that uh, with all the negativity around it um, it it made me realize this is where I actually um, this is my identity okay. I mean I don't know if you know this but I, I also played uh, Nash, uh, I play I was in the national team at under 16 and under 18 for a hockey and mm. what happened is when you get out of high school you have to choose one sport out of okay. the out of the two and i chose basketball even though i was i was i was, I was going further in, in hockey. um hockey um i mean there were contracts happening for my teammates who went to Holland uh, for hockey, but I actually decided to stay with basketball because it was what I loved. So you chose basketball uh, over being a possible pro tier? Basically. Okay. Basically, because... That, that is love. Um, that is love. Yeah, okay. that is love, because as well, I actually had um, desires to actually even be uh, in the national team for the under-21 basketball team. Okay. Uh, but the drama actually added into that in terms of selection and everything. But that's a that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, but basketball in general has taken me places. That giggle you heard is from Natalie Pike, who also happens to be Cyrus's cousin. At age fifteen, she was already representing Zimbabwe at under twenty one level before earning a basketball scholarship at Lindenwood University in the states. Basketball has been a gift to Natalie. It changed my life completely. Um, I can't even begin to explain just, you know, I met my husband through basketball. I got a scholarship to play abroad for basketball. Um, I think my whole life, the common denominator has been basketball. I remember when I was in high school, I'd sign signatures and say to people, you must keep this so that when I'm famous, you can sell it. Because <laughs> I was convinced, I was totally convinced I'd make the WNBA. Um, but, you know, my life is still very complete, even though I didn't make the WNBA. My favorite basketball player is actually someone who is not in the NBA um, or the WNBA. It is... Um, a player called Lungi Lemtsweni. Um, she plays for South Africa and yeah, I was with her at um, UJ and she is the most skillful, most passionate, um, giving player 
that I've ever encountered. My favorite basketball player is Kobe Bryant, both the number eight Kobe and the number 24 Kobe. He's the reason why um, I fell deeply in love with basketball. He's also the reason why I played number eight, and he's the only player whose jersey I've got hanging in my cupboard. Hands down, Diana Tarazi. I see snippets of my own game in hers, but I think I'm pushing it a bit because she's beyond me. This woman is an inspiration to all female, like, arising female basketball players, and I think the way she executes plays is so amazing it's beyond all of us her diversity on the floor is amazing i want to ask as someone who let's say i'm my average is very low what does it feel like to hear that swoosh of the net as the ball drops whether you're beyond the arc whether it's a deep two how does it feel like just to hear that just to hear that whoosh Ahead, well, for me, I always imagine that's what heaven sounds like. <laughs> if I get there, I expect the Lord to have a basketball court and we are only allowed to make swishes because Mrs. promotes sadness and failure. <laughs> so oh, only good things can happen in heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, from my side, um, it's always been a debate between uh, the net and the chains because with basketball there's other yes. nets and chains and man the net is, is it's a silent as Natalie said silent heaven yeah. and then mm. the chains give you that swoosh and that swoosh from the chains is like a loud swoosh and it's like it's like an exclamation mark yo <laughs> did this yeah. so it's it's always been a debate of mine between the two, but as Natalie said, it's it probably that's probably how heaven sounds like. And what's you your it. what's your what's your go to money shot? Um, I was saying to Cyrus that uh, when I shadow ball, when I'm playing by myself and I'm bouncing yeah. a, a a invisible ball, the sky hook is my shot, but it's never been tested <laughs> against actual people. What <laughs> what's your money shot? What's your what's your what's your banker? Okay, so for me, it's it's simply jab step, take it to the left, jab step, take it to the right, spin. That's about it. Uh, a hard layup. That uh, sounds so very fancy. Yeah, so it's a jab step, uh, drive in hard, up and under if there's a big post there. Okay, man, my ankle, my okay, ankle just I'll... felt sore hearing you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll try and pick one. Um, so just a bit of background. So. I actually, other than watching old school basketball, I was obsessed with And One. So the And One mixtapes, I don't know if you recall them, with yeah, yeah. Hot Sauce, The yes. Professor, Skip to My Lou, those yes, guys. Yes, yes, so yes. I used to watch a lot, a lot of those moves. And um, the one thing that actually made me realize that I'm built for this game is when I'd watch a move and then go try it on a, on, on a guy. And if it works, I was like, you know what? Exposing. I'm built for this. So I used to play for the oohs and ahs, guys. My reports from yeah. school, they'd say, Nikki yeah. needs to learn to pass the ball. Nikki yes. needs to learn to pass the ball. Because <laughs> I played for the oohs and ahs. But I think that's still in me, hey? <laughs> like, like, just, you know, if I can drop someone once or twice, you know, then, I, yeah. then, you know, then I'm fine. 
Yeah, wow. yeah, that is beautiful. So, so Natalie, I love, I, I, I love the fact that you've actually spoken about that you try your your moves on guys, and then you knew that it was a it was it was a winner. Mm. Talking about that, you obviously you're a proponent of the women's game. Can mm. you just explain to someone who's never played basketball mm. how the, the 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 kind of skill it takes, irrespective of being a, a man or a female, mm. what kind of attitude goes into playing the sport, whether you're, you're male or female? Gosh, the work ethic is very important. So I think basketball is a game of repetition. So you, you, in order to be very good at the game, you need to repeatedly do stuff. So it's either you're making 100 shots today, you make those same 100 shots the next day, but your form has to be the same. You understand? If you bounce the ball twice before releasing the ball, then you must do it all the time. Sure. Because it's all about rhythm. It's all about repetition. If, like uh, Sitler said, if his go-to move is jab, jab, right, then left, he can't change it, you know, once he gets on the floor because it doesn't yield the same results because it's about repetition. So I think just from a male perspective, female perspective, if you are repeatedly doing the same moves or practicing the same things, um, then there's no way you can't be good at the game because... I can decide today that I want to become, I'm old, I can't run that fast, I'm going to play in the post for the rest of my life. (laughs) And I can train, you know, just to be a post player and and that's exactly what I'll become. Someone else may wake up and decide, you know what, I'm tired of running up and down, I just want to shoot threes. And they can practice that for a month or two, even a week, depending on who you are. (laughs) And you'll find that the next game you're playing, you're, you're dropping threes which is something so special about the game. You know, you can find something you desire to be and that is exactly what you'll be. The reason I love basketball is because not only do I have a passion for sports and I like, I'm a very competitive person, but the growth of when I started basketball in grade nine, I was 15, so till the end of 2017, that period and watching myself grow as a player in that first year made me fall in love with basketball, made me fall in love with the game, made me fall in love with the trash talk, the competitiveness. I love basketball because um, I think it's versatile in a way that no other sport is. I think uh, a lot of people think basketball has to do with, you know, size, athleticism, but a lot of it has also has to do with IQ and how people view the game. and how players react and it's very instinctual as well. Um, I don't really think there are many sports like it and uh, that's why I think it's so unique and I love it. For me, it's the perfect game. It's the perfect balance of, of speed, uh, as in you points are scored quickly and rapidly. So it's like continuously exciting. There's a great deal of athleticism involved in the game, you know, just in how people leap for layups and dunks speed it's it's so so entertaining and it's so fun to play i I'm, I'm like one of those guys who when they play basketball i'm playing to survive uh not necessarily playing to dominate <laughs> i'm playing to survive um one rule one, one of the rules that I, i've struggled with is the travel right because i'm like guys give me a break yeah. i i like give, give, give me something What's one rule you wish wasn't in basketball or you wished was augmented a little bit? Yo. Okay, for me, I would say it's three seconds. 
<laughs> because I think as I've as I've gone older, right? I'm a bit slower, so I play in the post. Like, okay. give me time to find myself, guys. Why are you calling three seconds? Let me do what I'm doing. Because <laughs> they call, I, and I, and I know there was. Um, I'm not sure if it was implemented. I think it was. I'm not sure where they were trying to relook the three second rule. Um, because once you catch the ball, they count three seconds, then you must make a move. And okay. if, I, I feel like for me, as I've gone older and I'm now, you know, backing people down in the post, give me time. Hey, for my side, yo, that's a hard question. I've never actually thought of that. Uh, but off the top of my head, maybe the double dribble rule. Yes, um, please. Yeah, like that rule, that rule will change the whole concept of basketball. But if, if I could stop and fake, guy goes up as short as I am, then dribble, dribble again. Ah, I dominate. <laughs> <laughs> then we might as well play a different sport. You won't touch me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and, yeah. <laughs> and for those people wanting to get into the game, um, can you tell me what's your what what is your favorite basketball shoe that someone should probably think about getting? Ooh, and then can answer this first. Okay, please, please. So Matt. I'm 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 all Mamba. Hey, I think okay. everyone should own a pair of Mambas. Yeah. Every yeah. single person. Yeah. The shoe is so comfortable for me because I've yeah. had all sorts of injuries, Achilles. I've had yeah. knee problems, mm. all that, and I found that with um, Kobe's shoes, they're just so comfortable. And even though they don't have that um, ankle height protection, somehow yeah. I still feel safer in that kind of shoe. So even if I roll my ankle, there's nothing holding onto it. I'm not going to completely tear it. And you can get if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you can get high top. But also, they are very sexy looking shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It helps, That's right? Are you co signing that or you got a different shoe? Um, well, well, for me, um, I started off with Mambas. Uh, I started off with Mambas, uh, and then I went into Kyrie Irving's. Uh, okay. Simply because um, the Kyrie Irving shoe is also it's really light uh, in terms of the position I also play, which is important for the position I play. So if I had to advise someone, it would depend on what position they play. And mm-hmm. stuff, but for me, it will be Kyrie Irving. I, I had Mambas all my varsity life. Life, uh, the from I think it was the sixes to the to the tens. I've had Mambas all my life, but then Kyrie Irving's kind of came out. That look, they look better, so I chose Kyrie Irving's as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, for someone who's new to basketball, and obviously the NBA springs out as, as the, as the flagship league, uh, in terms of, in terms of basketball. Yes. We've got Euroball. Yes. shout out to them. Uh-huh. How does, how does someone go about choosing an NBA team guys? Because the, a lot of the time people follow, uh, <laughs> a lot of the time people, <laughs> people follow marquee players or like people, people yes. have, have gone from Cleveland to Miami to back to Cleveland and they're in LA now. Um, how does someone question. go about picking a team? Cause like we, all ch- we have a team in soccer and rugby. How do I choose a team? Listen, this is how it works, okay? <laughs> the basketball is a different sport. It's a unique sport. It's the best sport in the world for a reason. So 
Basketball is not like soccer. It's not like cricket. It's not like rugby, where one man or one player can affect the outcome of a game or a team and how a team performs. So for you to be choosing a team, it, it you need to be actually from that city. Okay. I've always had this debate. You have to be from that city. And if you're not from that city, let's say you're from South Africa, I rather choose a player to follow around because what happened with LA uh, is a perfect example. Kobe dominated the league for many years. He was the best player for many years in the league. Yeah. Uh, he stuck. He stayed with one team. Um, there was a time Kobe got injured, uh, Achilles injury, and he was on it. He was not the same after that injury. Yeah. And what happened was, LA stopped making it into the the playoffs. The playoffs. So yes. yeah. So if you're LA supporter during that time, you're quiet. <laughs> and fast forward, mm. LA support all supporters have been quiet for six years before LeBron came. So now we're talking about LeBron on the one side who's been to the NBA Finals eight times. Yeah. And and he's moved to three different teams between that time. He went, he started at Cavs, went to Heat and went back to Cavs again. Yeah. Uh, so that's two different teams actually. So for me, my advice is choose a player, follow that player. <laughs> <laughs> Do not choose a team. You'll be heartbroken. I'm telling you. <laughs> You'll be heartbroken. Yeah. I think I have to agree. But for me, truthfully, I, I fell in love with the Lakers because of my dad. Okay. He was a, a hick Lakers fan. My dad is purple and gold. <laughs> Long okay. live the king. We, wherever the king fo- goes, we follow. Speaking of LeBron, off air, I tried to lure Cyrus into the greatest of all time debate. He didn't really bite. However, he is of the opinion that instead of crowning a goat, we should rather frame the conversation around the greatest of a generation. For this generation of South Africans to see basketball at its greatest locally, much still needs to be done. In the meantime, we keep hooping and hoping because we still love this game. Thank you for listening to Falling in Sport. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what stood out for you and what's helped you fall in love with basketball again. Also, if you're a diehard fan of another sport and would like your voice featured in the memories and thoughts for upcoming episodes, you can send us an email at fallinginsport at gmail.com. On the next episode of Falling in Sport, we go down memory lane with the beautiful game. To make sure you don't miss out on future episodes, subscribe and rate Falling in Sport on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Iono FM, or wherever you listen. And tell a friend about the podcast too. Talk to you soon.